After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Welcome back to 88.3 WGT's After Further Review. We've got David the Man of God Harris on the phone line. Just got done with his mock draft, the final one, because the draft is next week. Starting with the 26th through the 29th or 28th, excuse me, I think it's what is it, Thursday through Saturday? Yep. So we'll see if how good his predictions are, as we usually call him, David Kuyper, on this show. Now, up next, David is getting into some football. Uh, educate us, please, David, as we talk about a different segment here on 88.3 WCs after further review. Yeah, and so, you know. This is one of those rare chances where I actually get to talk about the world's football. You know, America would call it soccer. And over the past week or two, depending on kind of which league you follow, certain champions have been crowned, you know, the best, you know, the right, essentially the regular season champs. And so within, you know, world football, you know, 38-game season, you know, sometimes two games a week, sometimes once a week. And so some of the conversation this past week has centered around which league is actually the most competitive and thinking about the four or like the cluster of major European leagues. So the Bundesliga in Germany, the Premier League in England, the Liga in Spain, Serie A in Italy, and then League On in France. Thinking about those five teams, and in terms of which league is most competitive top to bottom, in a sense, which league is it easiest or hardest to win a championship in? And so it got me thinking, comparing that conversation to kind of the four major sports, but there are four major sports in the U.S., but kind of just to think about the competitiveness within world, or European football. By far the easiest, or the easiest place to not find parity is Germany, where Bayern Munich have won the last six regular season championships. It's essentially, you know, a, pretty much a dynasty. They're the team with the most money. They more often than not buy up the teams around, you know, the best players from the teams around them. Kind of like the Monstars, but. They just keep winning over and over and over again. And then after a while, it's just like, eh, they have the championship won by like mid-season. And then going down the list, the next would be France, where it's kind of competitive. You have, you know, two or three teams that are the more like favorites. So it's in a sense sim somewhat similar to Spain, which is kind of that third rung where it's between 
the two same two and three teams every year, and it's the big clubs that we know: Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Atletico Madrid. Kind of, you know, makes an appearance every once in a while just to say, "Hey, we're over here." And then going to the hardest or most competitive leagues to win, it's Italy because yes, there's some consistency with Juventus, but then also it's not as an easy victory for them. It's not, you know, coast to coast. There is some competition from Milan or AC Milan this year, Napoli. So there's a couple different teams that make it competitive for Juventus, which is kind of that team that everyone knows. And then for me, the hardest European league has been the Premier League in England, because even though over the past or since 2008, there's only been four champions, it's still, you don't know. It's still, yes, you know certain clubs in the past three or four years with the TV money have bought their way to a championship. And, you know, the champion this year, Manchester City, has a net spending of, you know, over $500 million just this year alone. Like, so clearly that the money, you can tell it's like, hey, this, you know, we're pretty much buying our way to a championship. And the expectation is as more and more teams get this money, more and more teams are going to have that ability to win the championship in the competitive league. But then this branching over to the, you know, what's the hardest and easiest pro sport in the States to win a championship? I think it's, Probably the hardest is the NBA because every season we think of, like, off top, it's whatever team LeBron's playing on in the East, Golden State, Houston. Like, after, after that, what other teams are we really thinking about? Like, what other teams have a legitimate shot at winning a championship other than, other than those three? Like, like I, I don't know. Like and like and you know, playoff time, you know, you always get one magical storyline or one crazy run. So you have a New Orleans this year, which we don't we don't think they're gonna win because they're gonna run into the bus hall known as either Houston or Golden State and lose. Or you have the you know, the young Cinderella in Philadelphia, which we fully expect them to lose to LeBron. So I think the NBA, out of the four major sports, you kind of, there's, there's a small cluster of teams that are going to win the championship. Um, to set, you know, next tier up, I would probably put hockey, just because it seems like it's maybe the same six or seven teams that have a legitimate, realistic, shot year in, year out to win the championship. And then from there, i go, I would actually go baseball at this point. And I know it's going to be controversial here, but I think when you think of baseball with salary cap, injuries, the length of the season, and then by the time you get to October, the toll that everyone, you know, have been taken over the past 
four, five, six months, all that adds up. And so, you know, to a place where it's October, yes, we kind of recognize a little bit of kind of, hey, these are the teams that are always there. But every year there's, you know, like it took us a while before we were saying, okay, Houston's a legitimate option. You know, for a short period of time, the Dodgers had a little bit of a kind of time where they weren't the team out in the NOS. So it was San Francisco. And so kind of thinking in, in the NL Central, it was St. Louis, Chicago, St. Louis, Chicago, St. Louis. A little bit of sprinkle of Milwaukee here, a little bit of sprinkle of Cincinnati. But then Chicago is really kind of bounced back. And since the World Series, when it's been Chicago, St. Louis again. And that leaves me with the NFL being the hardest because, like, you know, like, yes, there's some constant. Like, we know the Patriots are going to be there. We know the Steelers are going to be there in the AFC. But after that, I mean, who else is, who else is, are we surefire saying is coming out or going into the playoffs in in the AFC? In the NFC? Yeah, we kind of have the idea that the NFC South has a little bit of rotation, NFC West. In recent years, it's been Seattle. a sprinkle of the LA Rams now. But, like, there's so much parity within the NFL that we don't, like, we honestly don't know outside of, you know, Patriots and Steelers who's going to be in the playoffs each year. So that's why I think it's out of the four major U.S. pro sport, probably the hardest to think about who are the legitimate title contenders. Yeah, but I mean, in the NFL, though, it's been pretty consistent, though, with the Patriots. I mean, and the Steelers have been in the playoffs. Um, I I, I tell that we, me and Frank talked about this earlier, about how people just want to rag on the NBA and say, well, you already know who's going to be in the championship. Well, the Patriots have what been in the championship the last couple of years. The Broncos have been in it. Uh, Carolina, they showed up. I mean, every once in a while, I think with the NFL, it's a surprise. But if you really kind of think about it, a lot of times it's almost the same teams as well. I mean, every once in a while you get a surprise team for the NFL, but usually it's the same people in the 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 the, the playoffs, and that's what people want to see. I mean, I, I said this earlier is that. People try to say, well, we want to see parity and we want to see an upset. No, you don't, because the TV ratings go by that. People want to see the Patriots in the Super Bowl or just watch the Patriots on TV because either, one, they are TB or Tom Brady fans, or two, they want to see Tom Brady fail. That's that's just the way it is. And then you just have the other teams that have their brands, like the New York Giants or the Pittsburgh Steelers, or teams that have national brands to them. They want them in the playoffs, too. I mean, every once in a while, you know, it's a good story to have Jacksonville in the playoffs, but they don't really move the needle. And it's shown. Same thing with the NCAA tournament. Well, we want the Cinderella's and the upsets. Yeah, the first weekend, but the rest of the tournament, it's been shown and proven that with the TV ratings, you want the Blue Bloods. It's pretty sad that an Elite Eight game, you know, the the Kansas and Duke had higher ratings than most of the Final Four. I mean, Loyola Chicago is a good story, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, but then it turned into the, the, the Sister Jean story. 
you know, people, the media was there for Sister Jean, and then when they actually had the real press conference to ask the team questions, it was like three people in there, and most of them were the beat writers. So, you know, I, I get sick and tired on Twitter about this parody and all this and that. Dude, with professional sports, and I'll say this over and over again, it's about the stars and it's about the storylines. And that's one of the main reasons why the NHL gets no ratings. There's no teams to identify with, and there's no stars to identify with. So why should I watch? Think about it. In this area, the Red Wings are not in the playoffs, and most of those NHL crybaby guys are sitting there crying about it, aren't even talking about the NHL because their team's not in it. If you're not emotionally invested in something, you're not going to watch. And let's face it, Columbus is not an NHL city. It's a, it's a crying shame that the Red Wings or the Blackhawks are not in the playoffs or the NHL because people relate to them. Those are national brands. I need, people need to just stop with the whole parody thing. You, you know, once in a while, it's a nice, warm, heartfelt story, but you're going for the stars and the national brand when it comes to watching the games, period. Just, just the way it is. Yeah, I mean... Kind of think about the NHL, like, and those are also, like you said, the national brands. But then also, it's those teams that, like, like I just say, but the reason why Vegas is the you know the feel good story of this playoffs expansion is because they're an expansion franchise. One and two people are rallying. You know, well, I think the, that's the city a little. Of Vegas has been rallying around kind of the tragedy that happened earlier in the season. And so it's kind of this emotional connection. I don't hey, know about that. As a young guy. I don't know about I don't buy the emotional tragedy story angle, David. I, I mean, that could be a good story angle for you. But to me, what I think happened was they had this NHL expansion draft where they really got in some good players because they know that Vegas, you have a lot of things to do there. And if you suck, no one's going to pay attention to you. So they had to make a competitive team. Now, obviously, uh, do I think they could be Stanley Cup champions? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it could happen. I mean, they went. Their odds just went to four to one odds of them making the Stanley Cup Finals. Before it was like a hundred to one or something like that for the Vegas odds. But the fact of the matter is, the NHL knew that they had to make this team at least a little competitive. I mean, normally most expansion teams. They don't even get to this point until maybe their sixth, seventh year, let alone sweep a team in the playoffs. So with that being said, I, I think that the, the, the NHL really hit hit the home run out the park on this one because if this team would have been just a fledgling team or been pretty much competing for one of the worst records in the league, uh, nobody would have been watching and it probably could have been a failure there in Vegas. Well, I mean, honestly, like outside of Vegas and outside of diehard hockey fans, who's watching Vegas for tonight hockey? Right. Like, I mean, so it's that, well, one, two, it's out west, and, you know, people like to, in the media, like to talk about an East Coast bias. You know, most West Coast games don't start until 10, you know, 9, 10 o'clock Eastern. Well, yeah, most so people are going to bed. Up. Yeah. So you have that aspect of it. So, and then it's, again, expansion franchise, the expansion draft. Yeah, you have some names that you recognize. From your organization, you know, from your home organization, if you have a hockey fan base that you're kind of rooting for this this player to do well or this guy to, you know, play well. But yeah, at the same time, like I don't want the Vegas Knights to win the Stanley Cup. Like I want the Penguins to win. Like 
that's both me being a homer, but then also, you know, the storyline is, hey, they're going for a three-peat. Like, they're the, they're the kings of the mountain until someone beats them. Like, how far can they go in this three-peat? Yeah, that's true. We'll keep going with the soccer, though. And I think the soccer, too, with, with within the States, yeah. you know, as I said before, professional sports is about uh, stars and relatability, and soccer is gradually coming along. I do see the Columbus Crew games. That they, I believe they do get sold out a lot. Um, different areas get them, but like I said, you know, it, it, until the MLS – gets a big time star and someone and then it's got to be american i mean you hate to do that but you know you can bring all the european guys over here and the argentina guys over here america's not going to really maybe accept soccer too much because until they get you know american born superstar and possibly even the national team to be competitive too i mean they're not going to even be in the world cup this year and i think that's part of the reason why uh, soccer kind of struggles well i think Kind of to your point about MLS, that's kind of been the calling card for the past couple of seasons. Who are, like, who's that next American superstar that is American-born that's playing in the MLS? We have a bunch, you know, the majority of the men's national team plays in MLS, but those are the Josie Altidores who's, you know, up there in age. Like, you know, like, like when I say up there in age, you know, late 20s, early 30s, like, the Michael Bradleys, the Clint Dempsey's. Like, these are recognizable names who, yes, they, you know, hone their trade in Europe and they're coming back to MLS. But, like, unless you're a follower of the national team, you're like, eh. Like, they're stars, but are they on the same level of the quote-unquote major superstars like the Zlatan, like the Sebastian Giovintos, like, you know, like Kaká when he was here for a short time in Orlando before he retired. Like those are the star names. Yeah, but and you got right him now, on the tail you got him on the tail end of his career though too. I mean that's like Mike Jordan going to the Wizards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. Well maybe like end of second year. Like yeah, end of the second full stint, like, you know, late nineties. Maybe early two thousand. Like they're in like that's their prime, I guess. But like the biggest American star that we have, Christian Pulisic, is playing in Europe. And so there's a lot of conversation about okay, in terms of the national team, do we want to send our young talent to Europe to get playing time, to get better, to get all this experience playing against the best of the best of the best, which is not happening in MLS. Or do we keep them here so that they become the fan favorites and kind of the calling cards and the guys that we can put on posters that fans of the United States can relate to? But in terms of the on the field product, we get what we had in the you know last round of qualifying. Or it's yeah, they're good, but they also have you know glimpses and flashes where they poop hammered, mm-hmm. and so we're losing to Panama, Trinidad, Tobago, and like you know. Like, we're not advancing or having success on the grand stage or have even the opportunity, in the case of the World Cup this summer, to be there. And so it's kind of that dilemma that really plagued U.S. soccer the past couple of seasons. 
and that's part of the philosophy of Jurgen Klinsmann when he was in charge. He wanted the young guys to go to Europe, hone their craft, get you know, become great in Europe, and so that when they came back for national team training, they were able to, you know, shine. But then it's also, like, unless you follow European soccer, you're not going to, well, one, if you follow European soccer, and two, unless you follow, like, the individual players and follow their tracks and their journeys, the lot where we're playing on loan at smaller clubs or if you're the mega superstar like Christian Pulisic, like people don't have access to you know Fox Sports One to watch the Bundesliga week yeah. in week out. Yeah, that's you true. I I, I I do, but Dave, we gotta we gotta wrap this up. So wrap it up. Yeah, so I think in terms of soccer, I think just kind of thinking of U.S. 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 nationally, we have there's still a lot of work to do. Like you said, we need to find and hone that next great U.S. star that's playing in the MLS. But then also, just the competitive nature and the parity in some of these leagues, it's, at some point it's going to affect viewership. And it, it may not affect the bottom dollar, but it may or may not lead to less, it may or may lead to less and less fans watching a game that is the world game. Well, I'll tell you this, David, while we wrap this up. Uh, if the MLS wants to be competitive, you know, you're going to need one of those big TV contracts so then you can start paying players and maybe entice some of the younger international stars to come here. Maybe if you get it more on television and more eyeballs, it'll entice younger soccer uh, players to really, you know, be on, into that sport. But once again they need an american born guy to, to really you know pump this sport up so uh we'll see though what you got going on plan for the weekend i mean i know you're in the hotbed of columbus so they love the columbus crew soccer down there any games down there this weekend or are you just gonna chill yeah i'll probably just chill so maybe if they're on tv i may you know watch the channel but wait a minute it's, do you even go to columbus crew games I mean, I used to. I'm, you know, with the current situation of the Columbus Crew, I'm boycotting this season. Oh, so David, you sitting there wanting this the the the, the MLS to kind of blow up, and now you're boycotting the team. Hey, I mean, ownership is trying to move them to Austin, so I'm like, ah. Uh. Oh so, wow! And you guys actually get a good crowd. I've seen, you know, on the local networks here. They uh, actually, I think they have a partnership with, uh, I think, Sport Time Ohio. Not Sport Time Ohio, but Spectrum Sports usually shows Columbus Crew um, soccer games, and in the the Crew Stadium is is packed. But yeah, that does stink if they're trying to move Columbus to Austin, the the team to Austin. Because considering, I think wasn't the Columbus Crew one of the original MLS teams? Yeah, it's the first MLS franchise. Wow, and they want to move it to Austin, Texas. Yeah, because you know they're they're following the money, but you know. Ooh, it tells you about, man, that's a smack in the face of Columbus. Uh, well, David, man, have a good weekend, and don't get too upset about uh, soccer. No, that's okay. I got the draft coming up, so I'm all good. That's right, that is. That's David Kuyper there on the phone lines. Have a good weekend, David. All right, you too. All right, man, that's David, the man of God. Harris there with the uh, talking about soccer and how maybe possibly it can be uh, beneficial to uh, America. Like I said before, though, it's it's going to be tough for soccer, but hopefully, hopefully one day they can get, you know, a, a, a superstar to uh, basically uh, 
for American kids to look up to and, and possibly, you know, help the MLS blow up. And until then, I don't I don't really think it, it's going to happen. I mean, you can have international stars all you want to, and you can watch some great soccer play. But as I, I've said before in the show, shows before prior to this and in the segments prior to this, pro sports is all about the celebrity and the relatability and the superstars. You know, college and high school is more of a team theme, but team, you know, because most people can relate to that. Most people have gone to a certain university or school, and that's the relatability. But when it comes to pro sports, usually it's all about the uh, actual individual uh, athlete, uh, so to speak. So the same thing goes for NHL and MLS soccer, possibly uh, in promotion. You know, you got to promote the stars. Anyway, I like to thank, say thanks to. Frank Vaster, you know, coming on the show earlier with his power play and also a little bit of the debate. And then David the Man of God Harris with his uh, mock draft. I'm going to be comparing his picks to the actual picks of the NFL draft. See how accurate he is, uh, as we call him, David Kuyper. And then also talk a little bit about soccer here. Once again, it's been a presentation of 88.3 WXUT. We're on Saturdays 11-1. You can also hear us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. WXUT after further review on SoundCloud and just after further review on iTunes for David. And Frank, I'm Derek Lawson. Peace. We're out. See you next week.